and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. Today, we're here with Law Murray because it is 12.13 Pacific Time, 3.13 a.m. East Coast Time on Halloween. Happy Halloween to everybody that is in the United States. Law Murray is here joining me from the United States in Los mm-hmm. Angeles to break down. James Harden got traded because, of course, he did. Of course James Harden did. now plays for the Los Angeles Clippers, who Law Murray covers for The Athletic, which is why we have Law here. Law's the best. Wanted to get him, get him on the show for a while, and I'm glad that he's going to join us. But first, let's just let it, let the people be known. Let it be known for the people what this deal is. This deal, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, multiple draft picks, one of which is a 2028 unprotected first. There is some mystery first round pick floating around, apparently. Uh, there are, I think, two seconds in there. Uh, maybe a pick swap is thrown in, and the Clippers are going to get James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philip Petrushev. So, Sixers, Morris Batum, Covington, Martin, multiple draft picks and a pick swap for Harden, Tucker, Petrushev. Law Murray is here. What's going on, buddy? Happy Halloween, Sam. I, I was telling, I, I was saying earlier, I should have, I should have kept my mask on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I got all cleaned up for Halloween, man. Who does that? The Clippers do this. The Clippers uh, do yeah, this. The Clippers. Like, <laughs> for people who remember the Kawhi and Paul George thing, the Kawhi and Paul George thing happens at. I swear, I think it was like 11 o'clock. I've told this story with Robbie Callen before. Robbie and I and Brad Rowland and some other people were at the, I think, Westgate Sportsbook. And oh, you were in Vegas. No, we were in Vegas at Summer League. Yeah. And I think that like we were the only like sober people because we left the game where Zion debuted at Summer League that was interrupted by an earthquake early. And then we just like went right to the sports book and I wanted to go watch an Australian football game and they were just like humoring me, I guess, on some level and they wanted to go gamble. So we're just like sitting there and then we get this notification on our phone. It's like, oh shit, like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are now Los Angeles Clippers. So they ended up like getting all of the traffic because everyone in Vegas was hammered drunk, like and couldn't actually write the Kawhi Leonard Paul George story immediately or was out to like a late dinner. So now we've got this one. We have a second crazy transaction in the middle of the night. Uh, shout out Lawrence Frank and those folks over there doing all their business. <laughs> I can't wait to see them dudes, man. Oh, man. So. let's talk about this law so this has been an ongoing saga at this point you've done a lot of good writing a lot of good reporting on this for the website are you surprised that it happened in the first week of the season i i I can't be surprised i got it in print saying they got four days off after a back-to-back something's going to happen you know there's that's the next deadline like I literally have it in print. So, I mean, listen, just a little inside baseball. I got to let my editors know where I'm going to be and why I'm going to be there. So New York is the trip this weekend. And I was like, I literally wrote in the damn Google sheet, Harden protection. In case this team does something, I'm going to be in a place where they're going to be, you know? So 
How can I be surprised? Am I shocked? Absolutely. My hair is standing up right now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. But, but, but like to, for me to be surprised would go against everything that I've been preparing for since James decided that he was going to opt into the final year of his contract. I mean, there was all kinds of posture in between the two front offices, you know, people getting mad at me because I'm saying stuff in the open gym and whatnot, you know, it's like, I mean, you guys are talking, what's there to deny you guys are talking philly never said that they were completely out on deals daryl kept on saying i'm gonna wait for the best deal and for the clipper side of it sure they had this team and all these guys preparing to play a certain type of way but there was never a moment where i really felt like they were completely sold on what they had they were from the jump they were like we know we have to do something this roster's in balance marcus making 18 million dollars not being shown doing anything except when we were in Temecula and they're like, we're going to run Marcus through the first unit just to show that he's involved. They were very, very deliberate about what they were planning to do in the short term. And when I say short term, I mean, we have a game tomorrow and the long term. And by long term, I mean, literally this entire season, there is no future after 2024. And that's why this deal got made, Sam. Yeah, no, totally. And it is very clear that all of, the Clippers contracts now expire at the end of the season. James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. We're now in a circumstance where I think Russell Terrence Westbrook and the young guys, Russell Westbrook as well. Terrence Mann and the young guys are the only dudes that have a deal beyond this season with the Los Angeles Clippers. And maybe it goes well and they decide to retain this roster moving forward, or maybe they decide to move on from it. Another piece of this deal that I think can't be ignored, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, if not the four most recognizable dudes from LA in hoops right now, I mean, is there anybody else? Who, who am I, I mean, missing? I mean, <laughs> I kind of love and, and, it. Like, I love that aspect of it. Hey, like, this is funny. This is the last year that the team is playing in downtown LA. And this is a true downtown LA story to like, if, if just growing up in the area, not me, of course, I'm from the East coast. You are sort of from the East coast, Sam, but like to, I've been in LA for 14 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my first year here was Paul George's rookie season in Indiana. Kawhi came in the league the year after obviously James and Russ were in OKC together. Like, the basketball culture, you know, being proud of those dudes and then getting to the point where it's like, man, they might be on another team like the Clippers instead of the Lakers. Like I've, I've seen it. That's the interesting part of this. You know what I mean? This has been a franchise trying to define itself and separate itself. There's not a lot of sports franchises in the country that have that issue. Um, it's a very yeah. unique one. This team has been really good for a long time, but no matter what their success is against the other team, no matter what their success has been in the regular season, they haven't had the playoff success. They haven't won that championship. And to try and do it for the first time with these dudes who three of them have not won it at all yet, right? Kawhi's got his, but obviously hasn't won it here. For these guys to all basically say, we're going to try and do it. That's going to be a very interesting way to go about this year in the NBA. 
I love it. Like they've been an organization. It feels like, like you said, that has struggled to find its identity in some way. They went with like this Clipper DNA thing early on where they wanted like grit and toughness, right? Like that was, you know, the way that they marketed the team uh, for the first couple of years of the Kawhi and Paul George thing. If I was them, I'd just be leaning into we brought everybody home. We brought all the guys that are L.A. born and bred Hoopers. We brought them back to L.A. Let's go win an L.A. title. Like yep. to me, that like if that's actually an interesting selling point for the Clippers beyond trying to live in this. This is an organization that's been in the shadow of the Lakers. Like we don't have to get that twisted, right? Like that's a great selling point to me. We brought all the L.A. Hoopers home, and we're trying to win a title. I kind of love yeah, that. Man. It's so. it's it's crazy because like you know guys have really that this is the franchise that has really wanted to reach out and do something like this. If you in LA and you hooping, you you see LA Clippers logo on every court in LA right now because of the beautification prize that Steve Ballmer did. I covered I've been covering the Drew League for a long time. I think you you know Sam and and like you know these guys have all played or been associated with guys who have done big things in the Drew. And not only that, like the the damn uniforms, they partnered with the Drew League to make their uniforms last year. One of the few that was actually good last year. Like that, <laughs> that's been a big part of their branding, their story, because that's what you have to do as a franchise. You can't just win games anymore. You have to have a reason to connect. And what better way to connect, you know, such for a franchise that really has not had a lot of connection with, you know, you see how many national TV games the Clippers have had this year. You know, yeah. like this is this is a way to do that. I, I mean, like truly, I mean, I'll do like, look, I want to shout out some of the L.A. guys like, you know, DeMar DeRozan, certainly an L.A. guy. The Holiday Brothers, certainly L.A. guys like I don't want to disrespect anybody here. But I mean, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, that's, you know, Kawhi is finals MVP. Harden and Westbrook have won MVPs in this league. Paul George, you know, all due respect to DeMar, I think is a bit of a level above him. I think he's a bit of a level above Drew Holiday. It it really is like the four dudes that have carried LA hoops on their back for a decade now. It's a pretty cool way to go about it. Let's actually talk about the basketball, though. To me, what this deal says is more than anything else, We know that Kawhi and Paul George, we need to get them through the regular season, but we need to win enough regular season games in order to have a top four, top three seed in the West if we can. And we need to do that while still having some semblance of rest for them throughout the course of the season. Going and getting James Harden, who we know is an unbelievable player. And oh, by the way, James Harden, a guy that has broken down a little bit before the playoffs last season had the Achilles injury that I think really sapped some of his explosiveness. I think that was a big reason why he struggled in the playoffs. In addition to the myriad reasons James Harden has struggled in the playoffs throughout the course of his career. I think that this deal as much as anything is about making sure they always have enough offensive firepower to potentially win games. Even when one of Kawhi or Paul George is getting a rest. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, it's, this is a playmaking thing more than anything else, man. Like, I think everyone's going to be like, oh, James is such a great scorer, you know, because of 
his history because of why he won MVP. But the other reason why he won MVP, that dude led the league in a, you know, let, that dude became a great playmaker in the Mike, Mike D'Antoni, right? And the Clippers, I'll never forget what people have been telling me the last two training camps. Everybody focusing on this year's training camp and the vibes and all that stuff. People have been saying about the Clippers for years that this is one of the, one of the worst passing teams in the league, okay? Even yep. with their player, like the guys who are being tasked to handle and make plays with the basketball, like one of the worst. And that was the point guard position, the big position, the star position, the guys coming off the bench. When you get James, you get a fantastic passer. And you know what? James is going to be playing for a team and a system with Teron Lou, where it's like, if you're a cutter, okay, he'll find you. He's used to running. He can do those things. But he just played with Joel Embiid. He played with an interior presence, a role man, a post-up guy with skill, right? No disrespect to Dwight Howard, but, you know, you can throw the ball to Joel and he can do things that Dwight was never asked to do. James is a versatile, flexible player. I think James sacrificed, and I don't think you hear those words too often with James, but that is something that I kind of think he really did. And not just from a financial standpoint, from a play style standpoint, well, he's going to have to sacrifice again. And it's eager, easier to sacrifice when you're looking across the locker room and you got a whole bunch of other dudes who've had to sacrifice too, starting with Russ. I think everyone's going to be like, well, Russell Westbrook has done so much to make this team be the leader or whatever. Well, guess what? Russ can still be that leader. Russ has had to sacrifice more than really all those dudes. He got humiliated on a level that Kawhi, Paul, they've never been humiliated. Even James, with all the playoff failures he's had, he's never faced the scrutiny of having his last name in his own city be a like a slur almost. You know what I mean? So yeah. if, if James, James will – I have no concern with James being able to shape up and do whatever T. Lou and those other guys need him to do. And James has the skill set to be able to – enhance those other guys because that's his primary role now on this team enhance Paul enhance Kawhi and to support Russ because if something were to happen to Russ you literally only have Bones Highland Bones is walking around well under 100% literally saying hey if it ain't gonna kill me the team needs me because this game it's weak to the season, Sam. And we got Bones, a young point guard, saying, I got to play on a bum ankle because my team doesn't have another point guard. And that's your backup. Russ is 36 or turning 35, I believe, next month. Like, that's who they needed to protect. As great as Russ is, as well-shaped he is, as much as he cares about his body, like, you got to protect yourself in case something happens to a guy that is one of your primary playmakers. That's what this deal does as well. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Like I'm trying to think back through James's career, really the only window where I can think that he played with like an elite wing, right? It's always been either James on his own or it's been James with a great big and Joel, like really the only window has been that little window where he played like 80 games with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn over the right. course of the 2021 and 2022 seasons before uh, everything, you know, changed there for James, obviously. Yep. And I'm intrigued to see how that works because James is somebody that has been quite ball dominant over the course of his career. He is somebody that really does like to play and handle the ball quite a bit. The 
adjustment of playing with Russ, which, you know, again, something we've seen before, uh, but a Russ in a more diminished role now is something that I'm very intrigued to see. I don't, I don't want to say it's not going to work. It is the like ultimate, like there's one ball on the court experiment kind of thing, right? Where you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, both of whom are very capable of taking on possessions themselves. Paul has become an incredible ball screen uh, passer for somebody who's more of a scorer, in my opinion. Like Paul can really pass now. I think that's gone way underrated over the course of the last few years. Uh, You have Russ, who is certainly going to play almost – I mean, I think Russ is going to play like the four or five. Like to me, when I look at this lineup now, I see it almost as I would play Russ and Terrence Mann as like the Bruce Brown four man kind of role where they're like picking and rolling and dive into the basket. And we're trying to get like easy opportunities for them to use their athleticism and power. I think it probably works offensively, defensively, like we'll see where it goes. James certainly has his limitations on that end. Offensively. I think it's going to work is where I'm at. I think this team is going to be really good offensively. And I think this deal allows them to get enough rest throughout the season to where they might be healthy getting into the playoffs. I I think that where I'm at on this is I like this deal for the Clippers, assuming they didn't give up like a crazy, crazy amount of capital to get this other, first round pick this mystery first round pick that is out there in the ether that is somehow going to the Sixers yeah I mean I've I've had to think about James in terms of what his pros are and what his cons are in relation to who the Clippers had on their roster already and Sam we've been talking about players other players out there pretty much all offseason starting with the draft you remember we did a piece yes. talking about Scoot Henderson. Should the Clippers trade Paul for, for Scoot? And, I mean, that was where things started. Like, maybe that was an actual conversation. But the point guard position, it's like they were thinking of Chris Paul. They really did a deal for Malcolm Brogdon, and it fell through yeah. right before the draft. You know, we, we were talking about Drew Holiday, you know, twice. <laughs> you know what That's I mean? Right. It's like, oh, wait, Portland got him, and then he got winds up going to Boston. Actually, Malcolm Brogdon twice, but Drew being the crux of it, you know, I don't think the Clippers are ever really interested in Dane, but that was, you know, that was an interesting one. Um, I'm not worried about the Clippers offense. Toronto lose the head coach and their star talent over there. Like T. Lou always makes an offense work. The defense is what I'm interested in because when the offseason began, I said, this team needs athletic size. And they had their centers, but like the power forward position is so interesting to me in this day of the NBA. First of all, you got dudes who don't even acknowledge that the position exists. <laughs> I hate positionless so much, Sam. <laughs> but like, <laughs> think about who plays that spot. Like, yeah, on one hand, you got teams like Oklahoma City that are like, screw it, Jalen Williams is our, <laughs> you know, J Dub is our power right. forward, right? But you still have your Giannis's, you still have your Zion's, you still have your Jaron Jackson Juniors. Do you see the position Victor Wembanyama's playing right now? Like he's playing next to Zach Collins. That makes him a four. So what are the Clippers going to do? Well, basically, they're going to do what Lawrence Frank has always really wanted to do and treat the position like an extension of the small four position. Well, you have Paul, you have Kawhi, and the thing with James is 
he's not the tallest and he ain't the most interested defensively, but he has two things that I'm thinking is going to work for this team. If you want to switch one through four, James has been doing that for years. And he's pretty good at it. He's always been better switching than he is fighting over screens, for sure. Exactly. Like that's your I, I said when they named Terrence Mann a starter last week, I was like, just so y'all know, you would prepare to start Terrence Mann with PG, Russ, and Kawhi if you are thinking of bringing a guy like James Harden onto your team eventually. I said that. And, and now and we're, you got the situation. we're assuming that the result here is that Russ comes off the bench, right? And that Terrence stays in the starting lineup. I don't know if we can really say that. Now, I'm that's going to be the that's going to be the swing factor here because on one hand, we know how Russ has received stuff like this before. That's going to yeah. be well. How do the Clippers handle the conversation better than the Lakers? I also know that that's an extremely low bar, relatively speaking, because when it came to communication and inclusiveness, the Lakers really didn't consider all that stuff. Obviously, the Clippers are going to be considering this for a guy that they have they have celebrated Russell Westbrook on this team as a leader, as a basketball player, as a basketball legend. He's a future Hall of Famer, a past MVP. How do you have that conversation? I can see it going both ways. I can see them keeping Russ in the starting lineup and bringing Terrence off the bench as part of a great second unit because Terrence is a second unit savant. Dude can fill in any hole you have if one opens up. On the other hand, sure, go ahead and start Terrence because now you're also not pretending like Terrence has to run the point or even be listed there. You can have Terrence be a point of attack guy defensively and have James run things because he loves to have the ball in his hand. And you know what? T. Lou even said these last couple days, uh, Monday at practice and Sunday after they beat the Spurs by 40, the goal is to have Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell, who they somehow kept in this deal, you know, kept out of the deal. They kept Norman T-Man out of the deal. They do, can do we possibly, know that for sure? For right now, that's what that's that's what I'm being told. That just those based, guys just are based be off here. of yeah, like based off of the fact that they're getting a mystery first rounder from something somewhere. So like something has to get moved there i i don't know what <laughs> like if you're not moving powell and man like maybe it's kobe brown maybe it's you know bones i i don't know if someone's given up a first for bones like that's what i'm struggling with is like what else did they give up but I, I, yeah i don't know it, it's gonna be interesting <laughs> yeah well we know who they can't give up they can't give up ross they can't give up mason Plumley. Guys who obviously sign new contracts and aren't eligible to even be traded until December. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I, I will say this. Um, Norm is a little bit, I don't think Terrence is redundant. I think Terrence has, like I said, when, when a, a hole opens up on this team, Terrence has always been the one to fill it. Norm, on the other hand, is basically like, how do you find enough basketball touches for James and Norm specifically, because yeah. they tried to encourage Norm to get better as a playmaker, and that failed last year. Um, when Kawhi had his time, uh, he needed more time to get his knee ready for NBA basketball after ACL surgery, and he wound up missing uh, weeks two through four of the season last year. Norm, they tried him as a starter, and they were like, nah, we're going to have you as the sixth man. 
basically James is coming here to be that guy. So we'll see. We'll, we'll have to see exactly what T. Lou decides to do to split certain guys up because that's where you're at. You can start these guys, but the game of basketball when you're managing games as a coach is how do you get through 48 minutes optimizing everybody? I will say that the situation that makes the most sense, in my opinion, and I don't know if this is true. Like, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that this is what's happening. I don't know. Um, Oklahoma City obviously owns a lot of Clippers drafts here moving forward, right? Yep. Because of the Paul George, Shea Gilgis-Alexander deal. There's probably a way to, like, loosen some of those restrictions on the deals and some of the restrictions on those picks that doesn't necessarily require as big of a commitment maybe uh, from the Clippers in terms of asset value. So I don't know. I'm speculating. I don't know. Let's move to the Sixers side of this though, because the Sixers side of this is actually really interesting. Yeah. If you've been listening to the show now for a little bit of time, I've been talking as if the Harden deal was probably going to happen. And the biggest thing that I noted in terms of what I thought Philly was trying to do was set itself up to get in the market for another star to replace James Harden with. Now, you can't trade James Harden for another star. You need to go out and you need to get pick assets to do so, or you need to go get young players to do so. On top of that, Another piece of this that I think that Philly really wanted to do was get off of the PJ Tucker deal. This is something I've been talking about now for like months, I feel like, throughout the course of this process is getting off of the PJ Tucker contract because it's guaranteed for next season on a player option, which, by the way, is hilarious. The PJ is the guy that is not uh, <laughs> that is guaranteed on this roster for the Clippers now moving forward, uh, not any of the stars. But. By clearing off PJ, they clear off real potential max cap space while maintaining Tyrese Maxey's cap hold, which I think is currently slotted at like $13 million. Uh, they're going to really be able to have a lot of flexibility either in free agency when a lot of guys hit the free agency market or in a potential star trade this season, realistically, where they can move three or four first round picks and go get another dude, maybe. I, I, I'm i just spitballing here. I feel like that's more what Philly was trying to accomplish with this deal than by getting a lot of expiring deals, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nicola Batum, they accomplished and that. And, I think that they, and they get KJ as well, expiring deal, potential young player to maybe move as well. They, they accomplish all of those goals in this deal and get two first-round picks from... Uh, one from the Clippers, one from somewhere else. We don't know yet. Uh, and a pick swap and two seconds. I think the Sixers did really, really well, given how poor their leverage was in this deal. Yeah, like I, I, I'd say I did not expect them to consolidate the entire triumvirate when it came to Rocco, when it came to Marcus, when it came to Nico. Um, yep. I mean, 
And and I'll tell you what, Philly lost George Niang. Um, they have a hole at that spot, at that position. Now that you got P.J. Tucker out, I can see them keeping two of those three guys. Um, they might reroute one of those other guys. But I think for Philly, they just needed to move the heck on. You know, like you saw yeah. you saw his name player of the week uh, in the Eastern Conference this week. You know, well, you, that dude you know what the hilarious thing is, Law? As that report came across my like, you know, whatever, right? Whatever you want to call it. My like yeah. little screen on Twitter. I was literally setting up to record a breakdown of Tyrese Maxey and how his breakout has happened over the course of this season. Like I pulled all of the clips from the uh, Raptors game that they played over the weekend. I swear guys, that's coming at some point on this channel. Please <laughs> go, go, go check out the other out. ones I did on. Yeah. Go check out the other ones I did on Chet and Wemby and Jalen Duran today. That will come tomorrow. But then this thing happens. So I hit pause and I'm like, all right, let's see what this is. Look for Philly. They accomplish all of their long-term goals. And to me, their short-term goals, they look great this season with Tyrese. He's played phenomenally well. Uh, you know, he's not quite the pick and roll threat that James is, but he's faster than James. They've been using a lot more movement. They've been playing with a lot more dribble handoff actions. And you know, they've been running some like really interesting like sidestep up ball screens where Tyrese is able to just get to his pull-up jumper from three in a really creative way. And then you have Joel rolling into an empty side of the court. I think it's just really, really been a huge benefit to have Nick Nurse around as opposed to Doc Rivers uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. And now they get depth pieces. Like you said, maybe they keep two out of three of Morris and Batum and Covington. Maybe they reroute a couple of them. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think this is a pretty pretty solid deal even if they don't achieve their goal of getting a star this season yeah i mean i I love i love the nick nurse part of it um for joe like joel it got the ring mvp nick nurse loves he does i feel like nick doesn't have a lot of pick and rolls in general like if you look at the whole league but i think he emphasized it in the role man a ton like more than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and and like you mentioned, you know, if you can utilize Joel in, in, in different ways and optimize him, you can do that. Now you can say Joel's going to have what Joel's going to have, but having a dude like Tyrese Maxey emerging and having other players feel like they're involved just from the, the movement, it, ironically, that feels like what the Clippers were talking about doing before this deal, you know, Um it, you kind of have to mix it up um, in the regular season because you don't know when Joel is not going to be there. Uh, you don't obviously you didn't have James the whole time. You have to do something different uh, because last year you had mo- most of your guys. Now it's like, well, when are we going to get to move on? So the good thing is Nick Nurse has been here before when it comes to um, adversity, when it comes to kind of chaos around him. He's he knows Daryl. Um, there's probably a comfort being around somebody like Daryl for, you know, in a previous place before. So the best thing for Philly is they can say, Hey, look, shut the door on the James chapter. The Ben Simmons chapter was just an extension. That's how we got here <laughs> with Philadelphia in the first place. And yeah. you give yourself the best chance for a guy who has always been Joel Embiid. Again, I'm from Philly. Joel Embiid has been the most committed 76er since Allen Iverson. 
that says a lot. And you yeah. got to maximize that. You can't take that for granted. And that's why you had to move on. So Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington. I mean, look, you're around those guys more than I am, certainly. We think that they are mostly done. Like they can provide 10 minutes a game for a good team, something like that. But that's really where you want to kind of top it out at this point, right? Well, Rocco, Rocco's the one I really, really feel for, man, because like he just got a chance to start three games this week and played reasonably yeah. well um, after being a third stringer for portions of last season. Like we talked in the off season and he, he was like, I barely want to even talk about this, but I knew he was going to come and leave no doubt that he had plenty in the tank. He was like, when you, when you think about how the Clippers started last year, Kawhi's coming back from knee surgery. Paul's coming back. All those dudes thought they were going to have a role. They punted the backup center position behind Zubats. Said Isaiah, "Take you know, congrats and good luck in New York." And they were like, "We're going to start Marcus and Nico and Rocco. They're going to be the four or five back backups off the bench. We're going to commit to being long." Um, after a while, you know, Rocco fell out the rotation. They they found out, oh snap, we actually do need a legitimate big. Rocco lost a year of his career, basically. And so um, I'm hoping that Rocco, a place where he, I know Philly means a lot to him. You know, that's where he made his name as an NBA player. I'm hoping he gets a, a similar chance playing um, over there. And, you know, he also was a part of the Rockets organization. So I think he's going to stick there. Nico was my guy. Um, Nico saved the Clippers in 2020, uh, 21 season. Everyone will tell you that. T. Lou will tell you that. The Stars will tell you that. He was the glue guy. I don't know if, even from a locker room perspective, like I don't know how you replace him. Um, and, you know, there's a chance that this might be the last year of his career. He saved his team's ass so many times and was a great vet for everybody. I don't know how you replace him. Marcus, I'm glad that for him he gets to move on because he got ugly here in L.A., um, you know, the only time he was made available to the media, you had dudes asking about some tweet about, you know, calling out the whole Clippers fan base. I mean, you know, I would be in the locker room on the road, be like, Marcus, why are they up here putting your whole family on Twitter telling you you need to retire? Because he declined. He was the one being asked to step up offensively when Kawhi and Paul were out. He was the one who had to, you know, take the ass whippings from these six you know, 6'11", 7'1", 250, 275-pound yeah. centers so that the Clippers could go small and have Nico out there chasing other guys around and Zoo, and have Zoo on the bench because they needed a comeback or whatever. Like, I know Marcus was expected to be the third best player and he fell short of those expectations overall. But, I mean, Marcus made his contributions to this era of Clipper basketball. And I know he won't be appreciated for those things. I think people are going to focus more on um, you know, the fact that he's not anywhere close as charismatic as Nico and Rocco. Um, well, so. well, another piece of this for Marcus, too, is like, I wonder if Marcus is from Philly. Like, Marcus he is from North Philly. Philly he's so from North Philly. Maybe, I mean, this this whole deal is like a big homecoming, right? Like, between James going to LA, Marcus going to Philly. Maybe Marcus has like something a little bit left. I don't know. Like, it's, 
it's not impossible. Like he wasn't a disaster last year. Like he can still shoot from three. Like he's a for, good for the backup first, for Tobias Harris. I would say the first half of the season, especially the first month, the first month, Marcus was ready to go. And then Marcus started to decline a little bit right when Paul and Kawhi started dealing with their injuries. Um, it got really rough after the all-star break for Marcus. And so like that was that was a sign where it's like you guys probably should have moved one of these power forwards in the trade deadline. That's why going into the, the offseason, Sam, I was like, something's going to happen because I am being told repeatedly that they are not satisfied with having that much money. Remember, Marcus, 18, 17 million. Roko, like about 12 million. You go about 11, 10 million. They were not satisfied with having all that money locked up into that group of, of power forward, that group of player. So if it That's happened, it finally happened. So l- let's close up here for f- five minutes, right? For the Clippers, they get James Harden. We're going with James Harden, Kawhi, Paul, George, Davita Zubats. One of Russ or Terrence Mann will start. One of Russ or Terrence Mann will be the sixth, seventh man with Norman Powell. Yep. And, and I'm being got... told that no other players are involved in this deal somehow, Sam, just so you know. Okay, great. So there we go. So, yeah, that could make some sense, right? Like just in terms of uh, it being maybe Oklahoma. Uh, it would be Oklahoma City then if that's that's my guess. I, I don't know this. That's my guess. Um, if that's the case, then, then you've got Mason Plumlee at eight, the eighth man, you know, coming off the bench center he will help steal minutes for Zubots and then you've got PJ Tucker who gives you a lot of different optionality PJ can play the five a little bit in small ball lineups you've got uh you know maybe maybe you start PJ no you you'd start Terrence over PJ you, you should not you absolutely should yeah yeah you, it, it'll be, a reason it'll I be Terrence for PJ. yeah P, PJ PJ will be like the eighth or ninth man along with with Plumlee and then you've got the kids, you know, Kobe Brown, Bones Highland, etc., etc. Yep. Who that's, just got his option picked up. That's an interesting group. That's actually a somewhat deep veteran-laden group that can win you games, potentially in the playoffs if they're all healthy. The key is just getting them through the season healthy at this point. Do you think yeah. that this changes the Western Conference title picture, picture substantially? I think it does. I think it does because... You have firepower now. This team wanted to compete. This team wanted to play harder. This team wanted to value the regular season. I know people made jokes about that. It's like, what do you mean? How do you line up and not try and win games? Winning games, and you learn this from Nick Nurse, (laughs) winning games in the regular season sometimes comes down to just playing your dudes longer minutes than the other team is willing to, having more talent than the other teams will. Had, and, and now we're in an era where last year, like you saw the player participation policy and all that. But what was more interesting to me was how Adam Silver was like, hey, the back to backs ain't quite uh, just play them. Just play the, the we don't we don't have the back in the science. Now they're telling certain teams that the Clippers have been super deferent to their medical status. Now this year they're like, nah, Kawhi's going to play on back to backs. Well, they're not saying that blatantly, but I'm telling you, that's what's happening. This is 2020, not last yeah. year. You know, so well, that's you the know regular what, season. Though, like, I think people don't recognize that, like, over the last 55 games of the year, Kawhi played like 46 of those games. Like, he, yeah, he played consecutive games after December. 
Yeah. And no, so he playoffs. played a lot, man. Like he played a lot for the Sixers. This deal to me is about long-term planning more than anything else. Like it's not about getting these four dudes, KJ Martin, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum. It's about setting yourself up for the next star. If you look, you know, Tobias Harris's money comes off the books. They have a low cap hold for Tyrese Maxey, who it looks like is going to be getting a max deal. And then you have the James Harden money coming off the books now that you have retained with all of these bigger contracts in smaller pieces. So you're in a really good position now. If you're Philly, you have some extra draft picks. You should be able to go out and make a final run at a star with Joel Embiid. This is this is a this is a deal that makes sense to me kind of just across the board for everybody given the circumstance that Philadelphia was in. Yeah, I mean the it, it's all about Joel. You you can't justify wasting that dude's time more than you probably have already done. And so you think about the teams with cash space, I mean, ironically we're talking about the Houston Rockets, right? The Houston Rockets could have paid James and James probably got win uh, because Ime was coaching that he wasn't going to get his money there. That's why this opt-in started in the first place. Now you're in a situation where we never talked about good teams having cap space. It's hard to do it. It's hard to plan for it. Well, now you that Sixers team can compete in the East. There's no team so good in the East that it can run away with the thing. I think Boston's very good. They're my title pick. I think Milwaukee obviously got the best acquisition. Congrats already to John Horse on getting executive of the year. But, <laughs> like, other than that, it's like stay in the hunt. You never know what can happen in the playoffs. The AC went to the finals for crying out loud, Sam. You know what I mean? Like, so in the short term, you compete, you see what you have. In the long term, you are a good team with the MVP and another young star who can add another significant piece to change the entire league as soon as next summer. It's a great yeah, move. No, th- this all makes sense to me across the board. I think that Philly will be a lot more patient with picking who this next star is than what people maybe expect. Uh, like I've seen Zach Levine as an idea thrown around. Maybe like that that's a name that could make some sense, but I, I don't know. Like I, it wouldn't surprise me if they like take this into the summer and wait until then to make their choice. Like, I, I don't think this is going to be like a panic move for a next star to play with Joel. Like they will, Daryl Morey will be patient. That is what we know about Daryl Morey. They will find the guy that they think makes the most sense for everybody. Uh, and they will wait, I think, to see how the season progresses. Uh, is there a chance that you can get maybe OG and Anobi and somebody else? Like, is there a chance that you can go get multiple things that make sense? I'm totally speculating. I'm not saying any of these names are imminent to Philly in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying that I think that Daryl Morey will be very patient. Okay. And, and this and that's and that's and that's really honestly the season that you're going to get will t- probably guide you in terms of the kind of players that you want to pursue. That's right. Law, tell the people where they can find your work, tell the people what's going on, tell the people everything they got to know. Well, you know, social media is accessible right now, but I'm still on that piece, so <laughs> hit me at Law Murray the new. Shout out to everybody at the Athletics. Shout out to Sam. My man is down under 
And I can't wait to get back in the States, man. It's going to be great to see you, brother. It's going to be great to see you too, Law. I uh, I have to go see The Killer. I'm, my screening starts in like three minutes. The good news is my theater is five minutes away. There will be 25 previews before this thing happens. So we're good. I'm glad we got out of here. Law, thanks for being here. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back uh, Thursday or Friday at this point. There will be another episode. Until next time. We'll talk soon. Bye.